Okay, we'll, we'll get part of this chapter in. <laughs> you can't listen to it again. The part that I said that I'm not perfect, you can't listen to it again because it's not there. Uh, and uh, charity or love envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, puts itself at the forefront. Oh, Christians being put at the forefront? Uh, no. Oh, boy. Who do we put at the forefront? Jesus. We don't put ourselves at the forefront. We put Jesus at the forefront. And it's not puffed up. Oh boy. That takes a lot of Christianity and just gets it out of the way. And that word for puffed up, it means full of hot air. So the Christians that are puffing themselves up and putting themselves at the forefront, they're just full of hot air. You don't need to listen to them. You need to listen to the word. You need to listen to Jesus. That's what we listen to. It does not behave itself unseemly. It seeks not her own way. It seeks not her own uh, 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 benefits. It, it doesn't seek her own. It seeks everybody else's. Christianity is not about self-focus. It's about other focus. That's why Jesus on the cross took care of his mother and said, John, behold your mother take care of her even though he could have been thinking about himself he was still thinking of others took time to listen to the thief on the cross next to him he could have been whining and complaining and with every right nails hurt especially when they go through your body they hurt you know what it is when you step on a tack or a nail that's on the floor or a needle you scream in pain. Where's your focus? Ah, I'm in pain. <laughs> You're not thinking about others. But he had nails, spikes. And these weren't little spikes. These were big spikes. Pounded into him for us because of our sin. And yet he still thought of others. That's what love does. It thinks of others. It's not easily provoked doesn't mean it's never provoked, <laughs> but it's not easily provoked, and it thinks, no, I, I love the way the Lord put this. <laughs> it's not easily provoked, but when it is, it, it doesn't think evil. Really? <laughs> I get provoked when somebody cuts me off on the expressway. Come on. <laughs> and yet he says, it thinks no evil in the midst. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It hates evil, it rejoices in the truth. Ah. Love beareth, that E-T-H in the King James, it's ongoing. It bears and continues to bear all things. It believes all things that God has said, continues to believe even when we can't see God working, we still believe that God is working. Mm. We look at America and we don't think God is working. Oh, God is working. <laughs> He's still working. He, love hopes all things and love endures all things. There's an endurance that only God can give that even at our age, we can continue to endure what's going on in our lives. Ugh. Really, Lord? If I can retire from working, Lord, why can't I retire from enduring? What, what, what's up with that? 
you stop enduring the day that you go home. And then you're with him. And he's our endurance then. Ugh. And just think, he's got eternity to endure all of us. Oh. Heaven for us is great. You just wonder, really, Lord, is heaven going to be that good for you? Because <laughs> we're all going to be there. But he, he is our head. And he wants us to be with him. I can't imagine. But that's how much he loves us. That's how much he's done for us. Charity never fails, but whether they be prophecies, and he goes on in part, but just to, to remember those things. This is what love is. So here's what lust is back in, in 2 Samuel. The, we, th we say love is patient, love is kind. And what is lust? Lust is not patient and it's not kind. Is Ammon enduring all things? Is he patiently waiting? He is anxious and he wants things, things now for his flesh. Oh. So the first thing that we see that, that lust is, is that it's not patient, it's not kind, it's not part of 1 Corinthians 13. It's part of 1 Man chapter 1. <laughs> I want it for myself. And John and Dab said unto him, Well, lay yourself down in your bed, make yourself sick when your father comes, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may see it and eat at her hand. So Ammon lay down, made himself sick. He listened to the words of the enemy. He didn't go back to scripture and look, what do you say, Lord? Oh, and Christians get in so much trouble because we think God is talking to us when he really has nothing in scripture to say that matches what we think. We just think it in our minds. Well, if I'm a child of God and I have this, then I deserve to have this. I should have this. This should be part of my life. I should be able to fulfill the lusts of my flesh. And God says, no, that's not part of your life anymore. We're dead in Christ and alive to life. We're alive to him. Oh. So Ammon lay down and made himself sick or made himself to look sick. Did you ever do that with your parents? I did. I remember the first time I got away with something uh, after I could re recognize what I was really doing. I mean, I did it as a baby, because what do you do? When you want something, you cry, right? <laughs> and you, you get it. But I was home, didn't want to go to school. I had toys. I wanted to play with them. So what did I do? <coughs> Up in the morning. <coughs> Are you sick? I heard you coughing. No, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Kept coughing. Well, I think we better keep you home today because you sound terrible. I didn't cough a moment after that. And I knew I got away. I knew I was doing it. Amazing. What we do for our lust's sake. Not what's right, but what's wrong. Huh. <laughs> Steve is laughing because he knows all the times he did it. <laughs> Whack. 
Get better. You're going to school. <laughs> uh, so uh, he lay down, made himself sick. And when the king was coming to see him, Ammon said to the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. What does David not do? Well, what's wrong with you? Didn't pray, doesn't ask him anything, doesn't get to the bottom of it, just says, okay. I'm busy being a king. I can't take care of you, my son. I, I've got to go do kingly things. Mm. So David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Ammon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar... Being obedient, went to her brother Ammon's house. Look at what David is leading her into. By not praying, by not seeking the Lord's heart, by not finding out what's happening. Oblivious to the fact, and sometimes we are, aren't we? We're just oblivious to what's going on around us. Instead of really finding out what God is doing, a prayerless life will lead us into this place of being a careless life. And that's what he is. Tamar went to her brother Ammon's house. He was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him. Uh, I can just picture her being busy about the business that, that she was called to, uh, not even looking or, or thinking. And Ammon said, have all the men out for me. This should be clue number two. <laughs> Hello, what's going on here? Oh. And they went out every man from him. And Ammon said unto Tamar, bring the meat into the chamber that I may eat of your hand. Your hand is so beautiful. It's so wonderful. I just, I just want to take everything from your hand because no other hand is worthwhile enough to bring me food. Oh my goodness. Hmm. So Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Ammon her brother. And when she had brought them uh, unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. Lust will always eventually come out and say what it's there for. To consume upon the, ourselves. Not to be helpful to others, not to be looking to others, but always have self-satisfied. And she answered him and said, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Uh, in Leviticus it says not to look upon the nakedness of your brother or your sister, not to look upon the nakedness of your aunt or your mother's sister, not to do any of those things in Leviticus 18. They know it's there, and she knows this shouldn't be done in Israel. This shouldn't be done in a Christian home. This shouldn't be happening in Christian places. And it's amazing uh, growing up in, in being in, in church all my life uh, to have uh, one of the, the holidays come up in church and what comes out at the holiday but a Ouija board in church for youth group 
because this is what everybody's doing. This should not be done in a Christian place. And yet what happens when compromise comes in, when lust of the flesh comes in, it always brings in the work of the enemy. And that's what's going to happen in our lives if we allow Satan to trick us to come to a place of going by our feelings rather than by the Spirit of God. It will bring us to a place of stopping our reading and bringing in things of the world, things of the flesh, things of the enemy into our homes, into our eyesight, into our eye gates, because that'll take us right into our mind, into our heart. And we've lost everything that God has brought to us. And every direction that we take takes us away from the things of the Lord rather than bringing us to the things of the Lord. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord help us. We're all there, aren't we? We, just, we see it all around us and we, and we just go, how can a Christian do these things? And yet we do. Thank goodness there's forgiveness with God because just imagine if the first time you sinned after you got saved, God smoked you said, depart from me. I don't know who you are. But instead he invited us and said, come and let's get restored. Come, let's be made whole. And shouldn't that be our heart towards others that are struggling with sin and struggling in areas th that we know? Oh, Father, help us. <laughs> How be it in verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 13, and I, whither uh, shall I cause my shame to go? And as for you, you shall be as one of the fools in Israel. I love this girl. <laughs> You're going to be a fool if you do this. <laughs> and what does a fool say in his heart? No, God. I don't want God in the midst of this. I don't want God to rule and reign. I want my anger. I want my bitterness. I want my hurt. I want my frustration. I want to be able to shout it out. And God says, no, that's just being a fool. Oh. Now, therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. We have different mothers. Uh, we, we, we have the same father, but different mothers. So if he asks, if you can ask him, He'll, he'll allow me to come in and be your wife. Trying to reason with him. Trying to give him uh, just an opportunity to make things right. Verse 14, Howbeit he would not hearken to her voice, to God's voice. And that's the second thing that we see about lust. Lust doesn't listen to what's right. We think we know the direction we're going. We think we got it all together. I don't need your help, God. I got this down. I got this taken care of. I don't need to listen to you. I don't need to listen to your word. I don't need to be in church. I don't need to pick up your word every morning, Lord. I got this Christianity thing down and I can walk now because I've got it covered. Oh boy. <laughs> Pride has set in and taken over. But he would not hearken unto her. Oh. But being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. Then Ammon hated her exceedingly. This is, 
got to be one of the saddest things that goes on in Scripture. There's a lot of sad things, isn't there? <laughs> Sin is sad. <laughs> but this is so sad. You, you, your heart just breaks for her. Your heart just goes out to that place uh, that, that realizes she, she's being abused uh, and now she's being hated. But isn't that, this is such a picture of what Satan does with people. As people come into Christianity and start walking with him, whether they're born again or not, isn't the issue so much. They're, they're coming in, they're seeking, they're trying to see what God is doing because we know there's people in the church who are not saved. They're looking for something. They're looking for, for God's benefits. They're looking for God to see if he's real or not. And Satan comes in and gets their attention as soon as he knows that they're going after something that's Christian and tries to pull them away from it. And as soon as they have him again, they get rid of him and destroy him because their life is already destroyed. And that is such a sad thing because that's all that Satan wants to do with those that call him God. He doesn't care if they get destroyed. He just wants to use them to get to God and to hurt him. Oh, that's how much he hates God. Can you imagine that kind of hatred? I mean, we've hated things in our lives, right? <laughs> we've hated things that have gone on. We've hated certain people. We've hated certain groups. We've hated certain things that have happened uh, in our lives. But can you imagine the hate of God that goes so deep that it doesn't matter how many people you destroy as long as you're okay? But if our consciences get seared enough and if people's hearts get seared enough, that's what they're going to start doing. And do we see it in America now? We saw it last night in Maine. A man who could walk in mentally disturbed and I think a lot of mental disturbings are from the enemy because we've allowed the enemy to take over our mind and to lead us in that way. I'm not saying this guy is a Satanist, but he's certainly disturbed and he kills 30 people or 20 people and, and injures 30 others. And he's still on the loose. Is he going to get destroyed? Sure. He's going to get taken in but get put in bonds forever. He's destroyed. Does Satan care? Nah. He's, he's got 20 people less killed. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about those 20 people. He's got more minions around to use. Oh, and that's so sad to think that people will believe in him and trust him more than they'll trust a loving God who loves them and wants to bring life to them. Where the spirit is, there's life. Where the enemy is, there's death. Because the wages of sin is death. It kills us. <laughs> this girl's going to be killed. Ammon's going to be killed. Absalom's going to run away for a long time. Relationships are going to be broken. All those things are gone. Then Ammon hated her exceedingly. He didn't just hate her. He hated her exceedingly. As much as he lusted after her, he hated her now. I got what I wanted. Get out of here. Get out of town. It doesn't satisfy me. Oh. And everything that we lust after 
will never satisfy us. Because there's only one thing that's going to satisfy us, and that's that relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing else can satisfy us the way that Jesus does. As much as I love Kath, I can never satisfy her completely. Only Jesus can do that. We've got to get to that place of realizing that and, and to come to it and just let Jesus be our only satisfaction. Because otherwise, we're just going to end up hating everything that's going on. Like Ammon. Ugh. So sad what the enemy does. That's why the Lord says, hate evil, hate evil and love good. And isn't that where we should be? We shouldn't just be disliking it and saying, oh, I really don't want to deal with anything like that. It should be a hatred in us, a, a righteous hatred that says this is not of God. This is of the enemy. We should hate everything that the enemy brings and not be involved in any part of it. And yet how many Christians watch Lucifer on TV because they think it's entertaining? How many people can Christians can go to R-rated movies? Oh, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just art. If God hates it, I think we should be in that place. Lord, help us. Because we don't. <laughs> we love some of the stuff that goes on. And God says, no, I, I need you to go deeper. I need you to go in, in a better place. He hated her. And the hatred that he had wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. He didn't love her. <laughs> he lusted after her. And Ammon said unto her, Arise and be gone. And she said unto him, There is no cause. So she's trying to reason with him again. And of course he's not going to listen. This evil in sending me away, she knows what it is, it's evil. This evil in sending me away is greater than than the other that thou didst unto me, but he would not hearken unto her. Second time in this chapter, he would not listen to her. He wouldn't listen to what God was trying to say. He could have repented. He could have come to that place of coming clean and realizing what he had done and, and make things right, and he wouldn't. Didn't want to, didn't care to. How sad is that when we do something wrong as Christians and we won't go to God with it and say, I'm sorry for what I've done? Look at how long it took David with Bathsheba to finally admit he had done something wrong. It was a year. The baby was born already, so nine months has gone by. It was probably up to a year before Nathan came to him and he finally admitted that he had done something wrong. Can you imagine the guilt that he, that he had all the way through that? And there's no psalms, no prayers in that time period that David prayed or wrote. All of his Christianity was wiped out. Isn't it sad to walk a year without talking to God? Oh, Lord, help me. Don't you feel awful when you go a day without reading anymore? I mean, oh, Lord, I can't do this. <laughs> and yet to go a year, because that's what sin does. It destroys you in your relationship with the Lord. 
So he called his servant that ministered unto him and said, put now this woman out from me. So he's using others to do his bidding now. So he's including this man in that place. Uh, just And that's what sin does. It includes others in it and it causes them to have sin too. This man is going to have to answer for his sin. Oh, oh my goodness. So he's including more in that. Just don't think that your sin is just about you. It's not hurting anybody else. I can do this. And I had Christians tell me, or, or people that professed Christianity, it's okay to smoke dope because all you're doing is getting it for yourself. It doesn't hurt anybody else. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, it does. And the thing is, I was smoking dope at the same time, so I believed him. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, I can, I can still have God and still be smoking and doping and every. Oh, yeah, this is good. <laughs> I can get a buzz on. <sighs> and then to find out it was all against God because it took me out. And ruined so many things. Oh. Sad. So he called his servants, put this woman out for me, and bolt the door after her. Don't just get her out and close the door, but bolt it. Make sure she doesn't come back in again. <laughs> oh. And she had on a garment of diverse colors upon her for king's daughters. It says, for which such robes were the king's daughters that were virgin appareled. Uh, then his servant brought her out, bolted the door after her, and Tamar put on ashes on her head, ripped her clothes of diverse colors that was on her, and laid her hand on her head and went on crying, weeping and wailing all the way back home. And Absalom, her brother. Why is it that nobody else from her house, from his house to her house, stopped her and said, can I help you? Is there something wrong with you? It, it's funny. Uh, I was out meeting with some guys last Saturday at a restaurant. <laughs> and we went in early. They had just opened. And uh, uh, the waitress said, sit anywhere you want. She was such a happy camper. <laughs> it was just joyous. And so, of course, to get away from everybody so that we could talk, we went to the furthest table in the restaurant. And she comes up with her coffee pot and she goes, sure, you have to pick the furthest table away to make me walk and get more steps in. I'm going to get enough today because I'm here till two o'clock. She was a happy camper. I, we were just so excited to have her. <laughs> and she came back once to see if we were ready, but one of the, one of the people wasn't there yet. <laughs> one, one of the people wasn't there yet. <laughs> one, one of the people wasn't there yet and she goes sure make me walk all the way over here to refill your cups while you're waiting for somebody that should be here I mean she was just so enjoyable to be around you know it's just one of those waitresses that you really want to have uh, and she came up about the third time and finally everybody showed up and we're all sitting there and to order and we ordered and I looked at her and I said how can we pray for you I already knew <laughs> I had to pray just to get that out of my mouth because I was afraid she was going to hit me with a coffee pot or something <laughs> and she just looked 
and her face just completely changed. And she said, pray for my kids. And she gave us her kids' names. I said, what's your name? She told us her name. Pray for them. And the next time she came back, she was smiling. Because I said, we will pray for you. In fact, had the guy next to me stop, and all four of us prayed for her and her kids. She came back smiling. She must have come back 12 times <laughs> just to put a drip of coffee in somebody's cup. She was just so happy. And it wasn't us. It was the Lord's presence. But those kind words, thinking of others, instead of just saying, well, this is a happy camper. I'm not talking to her ever again. I, I don't want anything from her. You know what? People hurt. And we're supposed to be the light that comes in. And just, oh, Lord, thank you. But how many times have I avoided people just because they had a look on their face? How many cashiers didn't I talk to at Wegmans? Because they were just taking this stuff and throwing it in the bag and just, I'll put the butter on the bottom and I'll put this jar on the top. <laughs> and you just go, okay, it's time for me to leave this one. Instead of saying, how you doing? What can I do for you? Uh, amazing, isn't it? How many times have we done that with each other? Kath will come home grumping, and instead of doing something about it, because I've had a bad day, I won't talk to her the rest of the day. I'll just show her, boy. <laughs> oh, Lord, forgive us. <laughs> isn't, isn't that what we do? And yet as Christians, well, I'm forgiven. I'm okay. It's them that, that they're going to hell. Really? What if they're Christians too and they're acting just like you? <laughs> And you're going to be sitting next to each other for eternity going, how come you never talked to me? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I don't know where that came from. It came out of nowhere. Uh, so she rips her things. Uh, uh, and in 1 Thessalonians uh, 2.8, uh, it's amazing. This is, this is what it says. Uh, Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, he says, So being affectionately desirous of you, his desire was towards the people, not towards his own comforts or for himself. And he said, We were willing to have imparted unto you, and not the gospel only, but we imparted unto you part of ourselves, also our own souls, because you were that dear to us, and you meant that much to us that we imparted to you. And isn't that what Christianity is supposed to do, is to impart to others and not have taken care of ourselves? Because who's going to take care of us? The Lord. We're here to take care of others and to let him take care of us. I mean, don't, aren't, aren't, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Lord, you take care of me. Because he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. I know all those things about you, and I'll take care of it. So what does that mean? You take care of others, I'll take care of you. Mm. <laughs> How about me take care of me, and then I'll take care of others when I'm done taking care of me? <laughs> and he goes, that isn't what I said. Hello? <laughs> but Christianity puts that in there. Because what does Christianity say? You, want, you don't want to be a doormat for anybody. 
Show me a place in scripture that says that. Mm. It says, love those that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. It doesn't say take care of yourself. It says lay down, be the doorman. Because I'll take care of you. And in taking care of you, I'll take care of them. Oh. Oh, Lord, your ways are so different than our ways. Help us to grab a hold of those things, Lord. <laughs> We're never going to get through this chapter. What's the matter with you people? Uh, so she had it on a garment. She goes home. She put ashes on her head, rent her garment, uh, left crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Is Ammon your brother been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Regard not this thing. What? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Don't even think about this, because nothing really happened. Oh, my goodness. She's going from bad to worse. <laughs> So Tamar remained desolate in, in, in her brother Absalom's house. And as far as we know, that's everything that she ever had. Isn't that sad? That that's the best it was going to get for her. Not only did Amnon not care about her, her own brother doesn't really care about her. And we're going to see that David, her father, didn't do anything either. What does that show her? You don't care about me either. I've got nobody that cares about me. But there is one. And if you're in that place of thinking that nobody cares about you and the church doesn't even care about you, Jesus does. Don't let the church be representative of who Jesus is if we're not doing what he's told us to do. Look to Jesus. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate. Desolate spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, desolate. How's that for a life? Oh, Lord. <laughs> I know, because I was desolate before Jesus got a hold of me. What did I have? Absolutely nothing. Because the enemy took it all away. Because I wouldn't let Jesus impart to me something good. Oh. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. Okay. He was wroth. That's as far as it goes. <laughs> he didn't do one thing about it. Could it be that just a couple of chapters before he had that affair with Bathsheba? And Nathan had told him, said, these things are going to come upon your household, and he probably didn't feel worthy enough to say what was right. Folks, truth is truth regardless of the position and the place that we are in life. If we've done something wrong, we can still speak the truth. And that's what we should be doing. But that's what the world hasn't learned. The world has learned you keep telling lies, and you keep telling more lies, and you keep fibbing about everything and everything's going to be all right because you can get away with everything. And isn't that America at its best right now? We'll just keep lying to the people as long as we can get elected and keep our paychecks. We're okay. Really. And now we can lie even though people know we're lying and they believe us and they say, oh, it's okay. Because everybody lies. No, they don't. Jesus never lied. Mm. 
I just got out of my soapbox. So when King David heard of all these things, he was very wroth, and Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Ammon because he had forced his sister Tamar. He thinks this is going to make her feel better by him killing the one that, that caused the pain on her. That isn't going to make her feel better. God's comfort is going to make her feel better. God's peace in the midst of that is going to make her feel better. Do bad things happen to Christians? Yes, they do. But who's their comfort going to be? Jesus. Getting through a situation isn't going to make you feel better. His comfort is going to bring peace to you and, and relief to you so that you can go on. Because bad things are going to happen to us. But who are you going to go to? Are you going to hang on to it? and remain desolate all your life in that area? Or are you going to let Jesus heal you? If you hang on to it all your life, all you're going to be is a, a bitter old man and old woman that dies in bitterness and desolate instead of being healed like God can do. Oh. And it came to pass after two full years. This is what the enemy does. He can wait a long time to wreak havoc. He can wait a long time. And that's one of the things about Islam is that they're patient in waiting until they bring their vengeance to pass. They're real good at it. We want to get vengeance right away. We want immediate vengeance. <laughs> it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears in Baal Hazor which is beside Ephraim and Absalom invited all the king's sons and Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, now your servant has sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with your servant. And the king said to Absalom, so he's inviting him to a party. He says, No, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be chargeable unto thee. And he pressed him, howbeit he wouldn't go, but he blessed him. No clue, no idea, but notice also, no prayer. No seeking the Lord. He's in one of those chapters again where he's not paying attention to anything. Ugh. Lord, help us as we get into those days and hours and minutes and, and years uh, of not seeking you. Uh, so Absalom said in verse 26, uh, If not, I pray thee, let my brother Ammon go with us. And the king said unto him, Why should he go with thee? Ammon is the eldest, and the eldest... One of the one of the prerequisites for these parties is that there would be somebody respectable and the eldest of them at the party. So if it wasn't going to be David, it should be his eldest son. So he said, let Ammon come with me. There was nothing in there that would say, this is strange, this is wrong. It would be, well, if you're not coming, then send a representative. Send your ambassador. <laughs> okay, so get it, give Amnon. Uh, and the king said unto him, well, why should he go with thee? Do you notice that the Lord's putting a check in his heart, but he doesn't hack on it. Don't let those checks in your spirit go unnoticed. Pray about it. You don't have to say anything. Pray about it. See what the Lord is saying. But you got to go to the Lord with it. If there's a check there, well, why shouldn't I be going today? Hmm. I wonder why he doesn't want me to go today. Do something about those checks that are there. But Absalom pressed him, and he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Not only Amnon, but all the king's sons are going. Oh, boy. 
And when Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Mark ye now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say unto you, Smite Amnon, then kill him, fear not. <laughs> Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. There's something wrong with that. Be courageous and valiant to do the wrong things. Really? But Christians can get there. Oh, and that's so sad. When we're courageous and valiant, but in the wrong things instead of the right things. Lord, keep me straight. Keep me before you. And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded him. I wish they had a different name. It started with a different letter. Uh, then all the king's sons arose, and every man got him up on his mule and fled. The mules were, were those uh, kingly traits of, of royalty. Uh, they didn't ride horses. They rolled mules in Israel. So they got on their mule and fled. <laughs> I, I'm strange. I just think, what if they got on their mule and he was stubborn like the ones that I used to ride and wouldn't go anywhere? Just sat down and said, I ain't moving. <laughs> How can you flee when your donkey doesn't move? <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, and it came to pass that while they were in the way that tidings came to David saying, Absalom has slain all the king's sons and there is not one of them left. Then the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the earth. He's grieving. He's in grief because all his sons are killed and all his servants stood by with him with their clothes rent. They all did the same thing. And Jonadab, the son of uh, Shimei, David's brother, answered and said, let, my, let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men of the king's sons, for Ammon only is dead, for by the appointment of Absalom has this been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Your mind should be clicking. Oh, yeah. Who's the one telling him? Yeah. Jonadab. Isn't he the one that told Ammon, play sick and then rape her? What's he doing with David? He's worked his way up the chain, hasn't he? Oh, these are the kind of people you don't want to surround yourself with. They can flatter you. They can give you understanding of what's going on but they're the wrong people in the wrong place. Don't surround yourself with somebody who's not going to help you, who's just going to be subtle and destroy you. Now, therefore, let not the Lord, the King, take this thing to heart. Don't worry about it. <laughs> really? He's encouraged Ammon to do something awful. He's encouraging David. Don't worry about it. Isn't that what Amsalab said to his sister? Don't worry about it. Don't regard this thing. Oh, Satan's ways are always the same all the way through. We just keep falling for him. But Absalom fled, and the young man that kept watch lifted up his eyes. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh. So we're to, to hate evil and love good, but here it is, evil personified right in front of him. The young, men, the young man that kept the watch lifted up his eyes and looked and said, Behold, there come much people by the way of the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said unto the king, Behold, the king's sons come, as thy servant said, so it is. Look, I told you the truth. Oh. And it came to pass as soon as he had made an end of speaking that, Behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all his servants wept very sore. But Absalom fled went to Talmai, the son of 
Aminahud, uh, king of Jeshur, and David mourned for his son every day. <clears throat> so Absalom fled and went to Jeshur and was there for three years. And the soul of David longed to go forth to Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Ammon, seeing he was dead. Really? That's all, David? Time is going to take care of the pain that, that your son has caused to another son? Oh. And you look and you wonder, why do they mention this? Absalom, his mother, came from Jeshur. When David made a raid into Jeshur in 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 3, somewhere in there, uh, he, when he was up in Ziglag, doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing with the Philistines, he raided Jeshur and evidently took one of the women there, brought her back, married her, and that was Absalom's mother. So he goes to Jeshur, which is a Philistine town in a place that he shouldn't be in, and David still loved him because his mom was from there. Hmm. And the hatred just continues to go on in the anger and the bitterness and the hurt. And yet David is not in a good place to be able to deal with it, to be able to do anything about it. He could have, couldn't he? He could have gone to God and said, help me, Lord. And the same is for you and I. We could go to those places that would be right for us. But sometimes when we're in pain, when we're hurt, we don't enter in to that relationship with the Lord and get right direction. And oh boy, how we need to go there. And in the days that we're in, I can't imagine what people are doing and what Christians in America especially are gonna do. We see Christians hurting in other countries, and, but, but they have nothing else but him. You and I have so many support systems and all this stuff. And I'm just saying support systems are bad, but there's got to be one support that's there that goes straight up to heaven. And if we don't have that and we're relying more on these, then we're in trouble. I mean, what happens when things get bad for us? What do you do? Do you pray? Or do you get on the phone and call your best friend and say, I need support? Oops. Do we pray first or go there first? I'll call the prayer chain. They'll help me. Prayer always works. God says so. I mean, there's a religious overtone to it, right? But if you're not going to God first, you have just absolutely wasted every part of your Christianity because the people you're calling can't help you. Jesus can. He knows how to lead you in the right way. For David, he didn't do that. Lord, help us not to make those same mistakes. Help us to walk in the right way and to be looking to you. I've kept you, I'm sorry. Father, just thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. So much in here, Lord. We could have gone all over your word and just taken care of these things, but thank you, Lord, for what you have given us. So help us, Father, in the midst of this, just to know your presence, to know the right way to go, Lord, that we're not going on our own feelings, we're not going on our emotions, that we're going because your word says so. So, Father, help us to constantly be in prayer, to constantly be before you, to know your heart, to know your ways, and to walk in your truth. We love you, we thank you, and 
just ask that you would lead us, Lord, by your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, hit the button, stupid.